All right, good morning. Am I doing well? Excellent. Well, if the, uh, the video wasn't enough of a giveaway this morning, we are talking about giving. And you can just feel the awkwardness in the room, right? Uh, from my limited experience, there are a few things more potentially awkward and uncomfortable than talking about giving. Uh, I did student ministry for a while. There were some subjects in student ministry that made the room really uncomfortable and awkward. Uh, but, but giving, I realize it could be an uncomfortable thing. You think about your own giving, your own finances, uh, your own spending habits. Uh, and then it is not lost on me that I'm standing here talking to you about giving or going to talk to you about giving. Uh, and my salary is dependent on your giving. Okay, so that's not lost on me. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. All right. Uh, my job is to preach Right, the, the whole counsel of God's word, not just the parts that necessarily are the most comfortable or uh, the parts that we all want to hear or the parts that I want to preach. I'm called to preach it all. So we're just diving in head first. All right. But it's going to be fine. All right. So there's your disclaimer. It's going to be good. Uh, it's going to be awesome. All right. First Corinthians 16 is where we're going to be at uh, this morning. So I'm going to read it. Four verses here. And then uh, let's see if you remember your part. Okay, here we go. 1 Corinthians 16, starting in verse 1. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. This is the word of the Lord. You got it. You did it. I didn't have to tell you what to say. You know what to do. All right. Um, so to give some context here, Paul is winding down uh, his letter to the Corinthians. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians Technically, in 1 Corinthians, Paul refers to a previous letter to the Corinthians, but we don't have that. So for all intents and purposes, this is uh, what I'm going to refer to as Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Um, but evidently, in a previous correspondence, there's been some talk about a, uh, this collection for the saints. And so Paul is addressing a question here. He's, he's addressing that. He says, if this were like an email, that would be the subject line concerning, regarding the collection of, uh, of the saints. So... Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk really quickly about what that is, this collection of the saints, and then we're going to dive into uh, the how. Paul's going to tell them to go about it, all right? So the, the first thing, the, the what, you got this collection uh, of the saints, for the saints. And basically what, what Paul's doing is he's, uh, it's a financial gift that Paul is going to uh, have delivered to the, the Jewish Christians right, in Jerusalem. And so uh, this is like a, a big theme of, of Paul's third missionary journey. He's traveling all around churches in uh, Europe and, and Asia, and he's collecting funds, and he's going to pile all those funds together, send them back to uh, the church in Jerusalem, right? And uh, so the, th this is, would not be totally unlike the way that we give to uh, the International Mission Board through, through your giving on a, on a consistent basis. We give a portion of that to uh, the International Mission Board, you guys give to uh, different offerings we have throughout the year, right? Our, 
Uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering was the most recent one. And by the way, just going to let you know, uh, I was in a finance meeting this week. Our goal this year was $5,000 for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We send those funds to, to uh, the North American Mission Board. Uh, our goal was 5000 As of Wednesday night, we were over 10000 collected. Wow. All right, so there you go. That's you all. That's you. Okay. Uh, so the goal is going to be higher next Easter. Just a heads up. Okay. Um, but anyways... You got this fund that Paul's collecting for. He's going to send it to the churches or to the, the Christians in Jerusalem. And the, the, the primary reason was because many of the, the Jewish Christians there in Jerusalem were, were poor and in need. And so Paul's traveling around. He's preaching the gospel. He's, he's revisiting some churches that he's already been to before. And he's collecting funds uh, to, to compile them and send them to help these Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. But there's another, at least another thing that Paul's working at here, and that's uh, he's trying to build unity, specifically unity between uh, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. All right, so for context, uh, the, uh, the, the church in Jerusalem is primary, primarily Jewish Christians. Uh, but as Paul goes out to these other churches and the gospel spreads, uh, there, there's Gentile people that, be, that, that come to faith in Jesus Christ. All right, the we don't have time to get into the whole backstory of Old Testament Israel. And basically, in the coming of Jesus Christ, uh, God's people are not just a select people, the group of Israel. Right? In the coming of Jesus Christ, uh, his, his life, death, and resurrection, uh, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is for all people. Right? This is what we talked about a couple weeks ago. We were in Acts chapter 1, when, when Jesus puts his disciples, uh, he gathers them together right before he ascends to heaven, and he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, but also in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? Because the gospel, the good news of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, for the hope of eternal life is, is not just for Israel. It's for all people, right? every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Right? The, the thing I, I want to keep in front of you is that, that Heaven is going to be filled with people that don't look or sound like you. That's a good thing. That's by God's good design. And so uh, part of that, though, is, is there was some, some tension there between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And so Paul jumps at this opportunity to collect support from Gentile Christians, Gentile churches, to send that support to uh, their Jewish, uh, the Jewish Christians there in Jerusalem. Right? And the reason I bring that up is... Um, it's not the primary theme of the message, but any time that I have an opportunity to lay before you, like the church is to be a place of unity. I'm going to do that. All right, the Jewish Christians, different background than the Gentile Christians. And yet Paul, in collecting this, uh, this, this collection to send to Jerusalem, is saying, hey, we're all in this together. We are united. Right? The household of God should be marked by Unity, regardless of your background, regardless of your uh, anything, right? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, like, like we are together. And so if I could say it uh, a little more provocatively, right? If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you have far more in common with a believer in Africa or Afghanistan than you do with an unbeliever that lives across the street. Because we're all part of the same household of God, right? And should be marked by unity. So any, any, any opportunity I have 
to remind you of the unity that, that should exist in the church, especially when you look out and you see the, uh, the divisive, polarizing climate we live in. And I'm going to jump on that opportunity, right? Because this is one of the things that, that Paul's doing here, all right? So anyways, so that, that's the what, right? The collection for uh, the saints. But, but then we're going to move on to the, the, the how, all right? Um, so, so here's what we come to in the second half of verse one, right? We get the first sort of imperative, the first sort of instruction. He says, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do, right? So the next question is, okay, well, what did he tell the churches in Galatia to do, right? Which is what he's going to go on to say in the next few verses. So if you want the Cliff Notes version, right? If you want to listen for the next 45 seconds and then check out, here's the point. Paul told the churches of Galatia, to give, right? That's the Cliff Notes version. So now's your exit ramp if you need to, okay? But I, I'm a preacher, so I'm going to break that out a little bit, all right? Um, here Specifically, I, I want to kind of point you to what Paul gives in the next uh, couple of verses. He gives some really practical, matter-of-fact instructions on, on how they're to go about giving, all right? So I've, I've kind of pulled out, um, at least from what I read and studied, seven I do that right? Okay. It's been a long weekend. Okay. Seven aspects of giving that Paul sort of highlights here in the next few verses. All right. So I'll, I'll go through them pretty quick. Don't let that, that number scare you. Okay. First one is Paul talks about consistent giving. All right. Look at verse two. He says, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. All right, so first, Paul's gonna, he's telling them, here, here's how. If we're going to give, here's how we're going to do it. One, we're going to give consistently. All right, so Paul uses that, that language right, on the, the first day of every week. Right? He's, he's wisely encouraging them to create some rhythms, some patterns, uh, some habits for, for how they're going to give, how they're going to contribute to this collection. All right, so uh, really practically, I'm just... Case study in, in my own life, because that's really all I've got to work with here. Um, th- for, for our family, this, what this looks like for us is we give around the 15th and 30th of every month. Right? The reason why? That's when I get paid. Okay? <laughs> so the 15th to 30th every month, here's what happens in the Larkin household. Uh, on or around those days, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to reconcile my bank account with my budget. And then I'm going to go log on to vcbc.org. I give online because I don't think I've written a check since the Bush administration. But um, log on to vcbc.org, and we give online around the 15th, 30th of, of every month. All right? And that, uh, I, it would be easier for me to just sign up for auto-draft. Okay? But what I know, because of sort of the sinful inclinations in my own heart, like I need to feel myself giving that money. Right, so like I just do it manually, twice a month. I'm giving to the church. Right, that's just what what we do. Right, and and for you it might look different. Right, there's no need to be legalistic about it. You might give every week. You might give uh, every couple weeks. You know, however you get paid. You may give once a month. You may give once a year. Right, there's there's no need to get legalistic about it. But the point that Paul's making is that our giving, like it's wise to give consistently. It's wise to create patterns and rhythms and habits around our giving because 
This is true in every other area of your life. The things that are important to you, the things that matter to you, are things that you have some sort of consistency in, right? You've you've created patterns or habits or rhythms in your life, and, and that should be true in our giving. All right, so we got consistent giving. Next, Paul talks about corporate giving. All right, back in verse 2. It says, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside. Right? Paul says, each of you. He's talking to, like, it's a blanket statement to the, the church in Corinth. Right? Each of you believers in the, the church in Corinth should set something aside, store it up. Right? He's not talking to a select few individuals. Right? He's not talking to uh, a group of people that just have more discretionary income than everybody else. He says, each of you should put something aside. Now, will everyone be able to give the same amount? No, of course not. All right, we're going to get to that in just a minute, so let not your heart be troubled. Okay? Um, but this gets back to, to what Paul writes earlier in this letter. Right? Back in chapter 12, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he's talking about how they are a, a body. Right? And, and he, uses, like, he uses an example of a physical body. There's parts of our physical bodies that uh, contribute in really seen, obvious significant ways, right? Your brain, your heart, your arms and legs, right? Then there's other parts of your body that contribute in lesser, like lesser obvious ways, right? Ways that we don't really know or even understand all the time, right? Think like uh, your gallbladder, your appendix, your tonsils. I don't know what those do. I don't, the fact that we can cut them out and then be back on the couch later that afternoon, like I don't, what do they do, you know? Uh, but what I do know is if something goes wrong with them, you've got to cut them out, right? So they do something. They contribute in some way, right? And, and, and so Paul's talking about the body. We talk about this idea of everyone giving, corporate giving. It's the same idea, right? Some people are going to be able to give large amounts and live with, with just extravagant generosity, Right? And then some of us are just going to be like, I got five bucks this week. And you know what? It's when we all contribute. It's when we all give. It's when we all do our part. That's when the body functions properly. It's how it is with our giving. When, when each of us are giving consistently and when we're giving corporately and, and all our, our generosity and our funds get put together, like, that's when the church functions the most efficiently, when we're, when we're all doing our part. And that the whole idea of corporate giving is the heart behind uh, Paul's missionary journey, right? He's been to uh, a, a variety of churches all around Europe, all around uh, Asia. Right? He's, he's collecting corporately from not just one church, but from multiple churches to send back to Jerusalem. Right? So, so behind Paul's words to the church in Corinth here is that our giving should be corporate. Right? It's not just for one person. It's not just for a select few. It's not the 80-20 rule, you know, where like 20% of the people give 80% of the funds. Right? It's, it's each of you. All right? Next, talk about intentional giving. Back to verse 2 again. We're going to spend a lot of time in verse 2 in case you hadn't noticed. On the first day of every week, each of you is to, to put something aside and store it up. 
Right? He's, he's getting at this idea that our, our giving should be purposeful and meaningful. Right? Planned. Intentional. Right? Or, or maybe another way to say it is uh, our, our, giving, our giving should be a priority, not just an afterthought. Right? As we give right, to the advance of God's kingdom, to the church, our giving should be something that... Um, that we decide on the front end, not at the end of the month when we're looking at our bank account wondering, okay, now what am I going to do? Right? We should be intentional, prioritize our giving. Right? So let me give you a case study from my home again. Uh, my family operates, I mentioned it just a second ago, on a, a monthly budget. If you don't operate on a monthly budget, I would highly recommend it. It's a good way of telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Um, but for, for us... Uh, whenever I sit down and we, we plan out our, our budget, is I've got, uh, the, the, we've got this software we use, income is up at the top, right? Here's our income, our sources of income for this month. The very next line for us, right, right after income, the very first expense on our budget is giving. What are we going to give to the church? All right, so, so before we start plugging in numbers for uh, eating out before we start plugging in numbers for all these other expenses. Our very first number is this is what we're giving to the church. Right? Because we've, we've just decided, right? we're coming up on 10 years of marriage, we've just decided that, that come what may, we're going to give to the church because we believe in the church. Right? We believe in the advance of God's kingdom through the church. And so we're just going to give to the church. Right? Now, uh, I, I don't I don't want you to, to like think that we've always got it together over on Nicholas Ridge Drive. So let me pop the hood on my own heart again. Um, more often than not, right? you might think less of me after saying this, but we'll see how it goes. More often than not, like, like there is not a month that goes by that I don't think about how much easier life would be if we weren't giving this money to the church. I don't think about how much margin, more margin we would have without giving this money to the church, right? There's things that we've just had to say no to so that we could give to the church, things that we really wanted to say yes to. And I'm not going to tell you that it's always been easy or fun, but we've just decided this is what we're doing, right? Right off the top, this is what we're giving to the church, right? So... Uh, in those times when I'm tempted to be like, man, this would be a lot easier if I didn't have to give this money to the church every month. Every time, like, again, you're talking about rhythms and patterns like we talked about just a minute ago. It never fails, though. The next month, right, when I go to create the next month budget, there's that line item. What are you giving to the church? Like, oh, my own habits got me again, right? Because our giving should be intentional, not an afterthought. Not just our leftovers. Like the Bible has a lot to say about giving our first fruits to the Lord. Right? So, we've talked about consistent giving. We've talked about corporate giving, intentional giving. Here's the fourth one. Appropriate giving. All right, back in verse 2. It says, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside, store it up, as he may prosper. All right, so did you notice 
that Paul does not give a prescribed amount or percentage. He just says, give something. That's freeing. Okay? Now, if you have a church background, maybe you're tempted to like throw the challenge flag and be like, wait a second, tithe. I know about the tithe. I've heard about that, 10%. Right? And, and the Bible does have a lot to say about giving 10%. It does have a lot to say about the tithe. But, but specifically, that's Old Testament, Old Covenant. Right? The, the only time that, that, that I, to the best of my knowledge, the only time that, that Jesus or the New Testament mentions the tithe specifically is when Jesus is talking to some religious leaders about their observance of the Old Testament law. Right? The, the 10%, here's the reality, 10%, the tithe, I think that is a great goal to shoot for. Right? That's what we've tried to shoot for throughout our, throughout our, our marriage, 10% to the church. But listen, I'm going to free some of you up this morning. If you can't give 10%, then give 5%. If you can't give 5%, then give 2%. Right? Give what you are able. Paul just says, give something. Right? Give something. And so maybe your, your, your first step of, of obedience when it comes to giving is just saying, like, you know what? I'm getting paid this week, and no matter what, I'm giving 5% of this paycheck. And you know what? What a fantastic first step of obedience. Right? God's not sitting in, on his throne in heaven and be like, oh, only five, huh? That's it? Right? right now, unless you're able to give a lot more than five, then he might be like, huh, only five, huh? No? Because that's what I'm getting to the next part, right? He says, uh, put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. Right, as a little qualifier there, which is kind of like Paul saying, some of you have done well. And listen, you don't need to feel guilty about doing well. Right? Hey, if you can get it, go get it. Right? The, the Lord will, will use your money just the same in the advance of his kingdom. Right? But, but listen, some of you have, have prospered well, and, and, and so that... 10% sort of line, like, man, maybe you can give more than that. Right? Maybe you can give above and beyond 10%. That's why Paul's saying, hey, give something as you prosper, as the Lord blesses you uh, in your, your work or your income, like, give as you are able to give. For some people, that's going to be 2%. For some people, it's going to be 10%. For some people, it's going to be more than that. But as you are able to give, as you prosper, put something aside. All right? So I'll leave it there. Let the Holy Spirit does what he needs to do. All right? Going on. Verse, uh, back in verse 2. So we've talked about all those different types of giving. Here's the fifth one. Eager giving. All right? So here's whole, all of verse 2 again. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. All right, this is kind of Paul's way of saying, like, hey, you, you set it aside, store it up, whatever you're able, so that whenever I show up, I'm not having to take up like a, a special offering. 
Right? He said, it would be much more to your advantage if, if when I show up, you're like, here's what we've collected for you, rather than me have to say like, okay, I'm here for your offering. Right? It's, it's saying, hey, don't, don't make me collect an offering. Like, you give eagerly, willingly. Like, that's what, what Paul's getting at here. Right? Because uh, the, if you fast forward into Paul's next letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, um, he talks a lot about the heart behind our giving. Right? He actually says this in 2 Corinthians 2, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 7. He says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right? Again, God seems to be far more concerned with the heart behind our gift than the amount of our gift. And so maybe the thought of giving <laughs> makes you feel anything but cheerful. All right, so, so again, let's just let the word of God meet us where we are. Right? Paul's saying, hey, give eagerly, give willingly, give without uh, compulsion, like, like give out of the... the and the overflow of your heart is what he's talking about here. And maybe your heart's just not there. You're like, I can't do that. Well, here's a great first step. Just pray that the Spirit of God would, would make you glad to give. Right? Pray that the Spirit of God would, would make you want to give, make you eager to give, maybe even make you excited or cheerful or giddy to give. Right? That's a great first step. Because remember, God's far more concerned with your heart than the amount of your gift. Right? That's, that's what he said there. We want you to, he wants you to give as you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so, so maybe if you're here and the thought of giving, you're just like, oh, I, mm, I don't know. Then my prayer for you, and I hope your prayer for you, is that the Lord would just transform your heart to where giving would be a an opportunity for you. That you could give willingly, eagerly, not reluctantly, not hesitantly, not uh, out of some sort of guilt or compulsion, right? but, but freely. Right? Then he goes on, next verse. Right? So we've got consistent giving, corporate giving, intentional giving, appropriate giving, eager giving. Sixth one, accountable giving. Look at verse three. Paul says, and when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Right? So Paul's here just kind of, he's putting some boundaries, some guardrails in place for giving and, and, and how that's going to happen. He says to them, uh, because your giving matters, we're going to handle it like it matters. So as you give, you choose representatives that you trust let them take the gift to Jerusalem, right? We're not just going to hand it over to anybody. We're going to handle it carefully because right, there may be no area where the enemy gains a, a, uh, a, a better foothold than when it comes to money, right? And so Paul is just setting some guardrails, some boundaries in place as it relates to our giving, right? And, and listen, I would encourage you to do the same in your giving, Right, as you think about 
uh, we think about accountability and giving. Here, here's what I would encourage you. If you are married, like, you and your spouse should be on the same page about what you're going to give. Like, that's a conversation you should have. Right? When it comes to, maybe you're not married, maybe you're single. Um, this is going to feel weird, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. Maybe you need to have someone in your life that can just ask you regularly, hey, are you living generously? Are you giving? Right? Now, you don't have to talk specifics unless you're that comfortable. Then you can. By all means, that, that's fine. Right? I know we get weird with money. We're like, like, we don't talk about it. We don't let anybody else know what kind of money we have or we make or we give. And, and I get all that. Uh, but here's what I know. that, like the, In Christian circles, we talk a lot about accountability in a lot of different ways, right? Accountability plays out in a, in a million different ways in our lives. And yet, like, when it comes to money, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't know. And yet the Bible says over and over and over and over again the danger that money is. The danger that the love of money is, I should say. So if the Bible says it's that dangerous, why would we not want to put some sort of accountability around that in our lives? People that can, can hold us accountable and say, hey, are you living generously? Are you giving? Or are you hoarding it all for yourself? All right, there, there's wisdom in, in putting some accountability around even your finances, even your money. And so, just so you know, we do this as a church. So, like, we're not going to ask you to do something individually that we're not going to do corporately. Right? As a church, anytime money's being counted, there are multiple people in the room. Right? Anytime uh, that, that the, the church writes a check, like as an organization writes a check to something or someone, that check is authorized by multiple people. Right? As your pastor... I have no idea who gives or how much you give. I don't want to know who gives or how much you give. Right? Because I know that the temptation in my own heart. I don't ever want to be accused of, of giving preferential treatment to someone who gives more or neglecting someone who gives less. Right? So I, I don't even know who gives, man. We, we've got some accountability in place here. Right? Because, man, the love of money, money can be a dangerous thing, man. It's a gift from God, but, but it can be flipped on its head and used in some really dangerous ways. So accountability in our giving. And then here's, here's the last one. Look at verse 4. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. The last one is just self-giving. Right, this is what Paul says. He gives them all these steps for here's uh, what you're going to give. Here's some really practical wisdom for, for how to give, how to create rhythms and patterns and priorities in your giving. But at the end of the day, Paul's not willing to ask them to do something that he's not willing to do himself. And Paul then goes further beyond just giving financially. He's saying, hey, if I need to go, then I'll go. Right? It's, it's self-giving. Right? We've talked to a lot, even the video this morning, to go back to that, we've talked about going by giving, but Paul's last words here kind of flips that around, right? He's talking about giving by going. All right, so just here in this room, some of you have done that. Specifically about 
As I understand it, I wasn't here for it, but about three or four years ago, some of you guys stood up over at Springfield Road or raised your hands, and you said, I'm willing to go to the north side of E-Town to start another campus. Uh, you committed to a year, and by God's grace, you're still here, right? And, and, and still here through some really challenging stuff, and you're still here. You answered the call to go, and you went. Now here's, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dream a little bit, all right? Because I, I know that, here's what I'm hoping. I, I hope and pray and would love to see the day where Valley Creek starts more campuses. Or where there's churches planted out of Valley Creek in other places. And so what happens when the day comes, the day that I, I hope comes, where there's an opportunity laid before us to, to go, and do it all over again somewhere. Would you go? Right, the, the, the passage we looked at a couple weeks ago, Acts 1.8, right? Jerusalem. We're, we're called to, to go uh, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, right? To the ends of the world. So what about when, when there's an opportunity in Judea and Samaria around here? Right, would you go? Or... Let's, get, let's, just, let's just get real crazy. What about if there's an opportunity, like, like Jesus said, to the ends of the earth? What if there's an opportunity on the other side of the world? Would you go? Would you go? Right? Would you be willing to leave what is comfortable and familiar and say, not only will I give financially to support it, but I'll, I'll give myself to go and be a part of it. Because right? I'm praying and asking that the Lord might do that among us someday. Both here in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Alright, so, here's where we're going to land the plane this morning. Right? I, I want to leave you with one question. That, that no matter where you are in this room, like you can, you can answer this question. Right? It's, it's not lost on me that, that some of you guys have been doing this Christian thing for a while. Right? You've been giving faithfully for a while. Uh, but there's also some in the room that maybe like the idea of giving, you're like, what are you even talking about right now? I got to give my money away to somebody else. And so I, I, I know we're all over the spectrum here in this room. By the way, that's a good thing. Right? If, if there's not some level of, uh, of people here trying to figure out, sort of grow in their understanding, then that means we're not reaching people, right? So that's a good thing that we're all over the map here. So let me give you a, a question around this, that no matter where you fall on that spectrum, like you can answer the question in some capacity. And the question is this, when, when it comes to your giving, what's your next step of obedience? What's the next step of obedience for you? Right, so let me recount here, just based on what we talked about. Maybe your next step of obedience is just putting some rhythms and habits and patterns in place so that you do give on a consistent basis, rather than haphazardly or erratically or just whenever you think of it. Maybe your next step is I'm going to, first day of every week, right, the, the 15th and 30th of every month, whatever it looks like for you, you begin to put some, some habits and patterns and rhythms in place to give consistently. Right? Maybe it's 
Maybe it's growing in your understanding that, that we are a body, and our body only functions properly when everyone's doing their part. And so maybe it's just growing in your understanding that even if, if you have very little to give, it still matters, and it's still important, and God will still use that to advance his kingdom. Right? Maybe it's uh, maybe you need to, to prayerfully consider just uh, what you might be able to give. Right? Instead of waiting until the end of the month and giving out of what's left over, maybe it's your next step of obedience to say, all right, this month, we're going to try it. I'm giving 10%. I'm giving 5%. I'm giving 2%. Right? And again, we're not being legalistic about this. Let's say you try 10%, you get to the end of the month, you're like, that was a terrible idea. I can't pay the bills. Okay, next month, try five. Give something, right? Give something, right? Maybe it's, um, or maybe you've been cruising at an easy 10% for a long time, but the Lord has blessed you, uh, you have prospered, you've done well. Maybe for you, the next step of obedience is, okay, let me, let me try a little more this month. Right, let, me, let me give a little above and beyond kind of what's expected. Right? Maybe you're here and you're like, I have no desire to give. Right? I, I recognize, like, I've, I've sat there before. Right? I know what it's like to be like, I don't think I can do this. Right? Maybe your next step of obedience is just like acknowledging that's where your heart is at, one. That's... There's something to be said for that, just acknowledging that's where you are this morning. What if you just began to pray that the Lord would, would transform your heart? Your next step of obedience might be something as simple as just saying, like, Lord, help me want to give. That is a step of obedience. That's what we're after here. What's your next step of obedience? All right, then, and maybe the next step of obedience for you is, is, is not to just figure out what you can give or how much you can give, but maybe it's to say, Lord, I'm willing to go. When the opportunity presents itself, I don't know what that is. I don't know when that will be. I don't know what that will look like. I don't know what that will require. But Lord, I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing that whenever that opportunity falls in front of me, I'm willing to say, yes, I will go. Maybe it's on a short-term trip. Right, so you can see kind of what's going on in other parts of the world. Maybe it's on a, a long-term trip. Maybe some of you guys would give your life to, to advancing God's kingdom somewhere that's not here. Right, maybe that's your next step of obedience. You're saying, Lord, I am I'm willing. I don't know what or where or when or how, but I'm willing. Right, or, or then... Let's pull it back even further, though. But before we pray, maybe your first step is just to surrender your heart to the Lord. The song that we sang right before the message this morning, I surrender all. Maybe, maybe all this giving stuff is just like off in a, like it's not even, it's like in the peripherals, man. It's not even on the radar because maybe you should just surrender your heart to the Lord. Maybe for the first time, Maybe here you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered to him as, as Lord and Savior. Maybe that's your first step of obedience. Or, or maybe you've just, um, 
Maybe you grew up, you, you knew about it, you, you are a believer, but you've just been sort of kind of doing what you wanted to do for a while. Maybe living a little bit of a prodigal lifestyle, and, and maybe it's your next step is, is to turn and start coming home. Right, whatever, whatever it looks like for you. Right, your question to answer this morning, in the days, weeks to come, is what's your next step of obedience? Right, because that's what the Lord requires of us. So I invite you to pray with me as we ask the Spirit of God to, to reveal that to each and every one of us. All right, let's pray together. Father, we come to you, and you are the God who, you, you do not ask us to do uh, what you have not already done. And so we, you ask us to give, you ask us to live generously. Um, Father, I pray that as we think about that, we would be reminded that, that you gave first to us. You gave us, gave us your Son, for you so loved the world that you gave your only son. It wasn't, it wasn't a financial gift. It was the gift of your perfect, sinless son on the cross to pay the full price for our sin. And so, Father, as we, we think about giving and, and what that might look like for each and every one of us, help us to, to think through that through the lens of, of we have a God who has given us everything, who, who has withheld nothing from us. And so, Father, as we think about what it means to give, to go by giving, remind us that, that we give because you first gave us, gave to us. Not only did you give us your son, but, but every, every good gift that we have, every perfect gift that we have came from you. At our our jobs, our careers, our finances, everything that we have belongs to you. Lord, you, uh, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. There, there is not any square inch of the, the cosmos, the universe, that does not belong to you. Yes, Lord, help us to, to worship you faithfully by, by seeing that, that, that we have a responsibility to give back what you've entrusted to us. And so I pray that you would help each of us in this room answer that question. What, what is, what's our next step of obedience? I pray that you would prompt some to begin giving for the first time. I would pray that you would prompt some to, uh, to give maybe more than they've thought about giving in the past. I pray that you might prompt some to be willing to give themselves, their lives, to the advance of your kingdom, whether it's here and near or, or maybe it's far. Or whatever that looks like, whatever our next step of obedience is, would you, would you prompt, our, just prompt our hearts and our minds to respond uh, in obedience to you? Father, we trust that you'll do that by your spirit. We love you. We pray and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.